You guys ready to dive in today? There you go. Now, if you read James 4, you might be a little apprehensive to dive in, because this one kind of hit me across the face when I read it. But to get us set up, I first want us to consider together, when was that moment in your life when you first got just smacked across the face with a heavy dose of humility? We were just humbled incredibly. We're going to pass the mic around and we're all going to share. I'm kidding. (laughs) But uh, I've been humbled many times in my life, many times. A lot of them were absolutely needed, uh, helped correct some things in my life that were askew, if you will, um, and had profound impact on me when I was humbled. I'm not going to share one of those today, but I am going to share one of those moments that has just stuck with me for like 25 years. And every time I think of it, I still just cringe. You have, you have those experiences in your life? Yeah. Okay. So journey with me back to sixth grade. I was like that tall. I was very small. You guys know that if you've been with us ever before. And, but I was quick. I was speedy. My sport of choice was soccer because it didn't matter how tall or strong you were. I had my quickness to guide me and help me. So I was quick on the soccer field, and I could, you know, I kind of looked like everyone's little brother out there, (laughs) but I held my own. Well, at the end of sixth grade, um, I, uh, we had track tryouts, track and field tryouts, and I was encouraged to try out because people thought, hey, Kevin, you're really fast. You're really quick. We've seen you on the soccer field. You should try out. I'm like, I am fast. I should try out. So I did. So they bust us over to K Central where they you know, we had the track there. And, uh, and I'm getting ready. The, the seventh and eighth graders are there. And they're like, I knew a lot of them. And they kept encouraging me in front of my friends. Kevin's going to smoke you. He's so fast. You have no chance. And I'm thinking to myself, that's right. They don't have a chance. I got this. No problem. I'm quick. I might not be strong. I might not be tall, but I'm fast. So we get to our positions, right? And uh, we're, we're ready to go. And the people are right there in the stands and they're still cheering me on by name. Go Kevin, go Kevin. I'm like feeling on top of the world. And, and so ready, set, go. The little gun goes off and man, I was crushing them for three seconds. And then one by one by one, every single person just smoked me. And I came in dead last. Those chants of Kevin died really fast. I mean, it was so bad. Like, they were setting up the next run while I was still running. <laughs> this is only the 100 yard. It's not very far. So, <laughs> it was humiliating. It was also absolutely humbling. Humbling. I realized painfully, well, perhaps I should stick to reading books and drawing pictures. (laughs) Maybe someday I'll be a pastor since I won't be a track star. (laughs) But also that having an overinflated ego never does anyone any good. And we're talking about humility today. We know being humbled, while often painful, is almost always good. And I want to warn us, this message... It does hit us a little bit hard today. It hits us a little hard. James 4, like I said, James is not pulling any punches here. And as much as I'd like to lighten that up immediately, I have to do service to the text. So we're going to go into that 
hardness of the text, but I promise it doesn't end with the bad. It brings us good news. Through this, we will wrestle with some hard truth, but we will also bask in the glory of God's grace. Because we know grace heals and unites and seals us in Christ, but it's the truth that we need because it's the truth as Jesus teaches that will set us free. So today, truth and grace in equal measure, trusting and believing it is for our benefit from our good God. Are we willing to dive into the hard stuff today together? If you're not, I guess you can leave, but I really hope you don't. Please stay. (laughs) Let's dive in together. So let's remember where we've been first. Chapter one of James, faith isn't faith if it's not put into action. Chapter two, true faith is a commitment of one's entire self to God. And last week we talked about the power of our words, that our words can tear down or they can build up. But by seeking God, he will fill us with his wisdom and power to tame our tongues. James hasn't pulled any punches all along, but... This week, we're diving in. But along the way, we are not alone because we've been picking up these tools. You know, week one, we had pay attention to the gut punch. When the text hits us hard, we should probably pay attention and wonder why. And then the next week, we had interact with the text, right, where we want to investigate further. And we want to write notes in our Bible and underline and circle all those things that stand out and have an ongoing dialogue. Last week, we talked about digging deeper, with our very tiny kid shovel (laughs) and exploring what other commentaries and things in the Bible that have to say about the text and really learning more and going deeper in that way. Today's, while you see it on the screen, let's write it down. And what I mean by write it down, I don't mean write it in the Bible, though you can. I mean putting it all over your house, in your car, places that you will see and remember and allow God's word to continue to speak to you over and over again. We're going to talk more about that later on in our message, but for now, let's dive into our text today. It is James 4. We're going to spend our time with 1 through 10. This is the word of the Lord. What is causing the quarrels and fight among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous for what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. 
Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, gloom instead of joy. Welcome to Hope Church. We are here to encourage you in the name of the Lord. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Give thanks to God for the reading of his word. Ouch, right? Oof. Well, let's start at the beginning. In the beginning of this chapter, James gives us some helpful context to why he spent the entire previous chapter, chapter 3, talking about how important our words are and also how to be wise, how to control our tongue and our need for wisdom. Because it's obvious at the outset that his initial audience was going through some stuff. Remember, they were quarreling and they were fighting. And he is addressing that to them, saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Why is this all going on between you? And it's helpful for us as well, because it speaks directly to us as well. But then he goes on and he says this. I find this so curious. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Has anyone ever asked God for something that you wanted and you never got it? Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, If you stop there, if you just stop reading there and say, wait, yeah, what in the world? I've asked God for stuff. So why don't I have that car? Why didn't I pass that class? Why in the world don't I have the most beautiful beard in the world? You know, things all of us pray about. (laughs) Except for Nancy. (laughs) Yes, there might be some of us who might not desire a beard, I suppose. If you stop there, you start to wonder, but then you read on, right? And it gets better, I guess. Even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Ouch. And this kind of hurts us. It confuses us because a lot of times we'll pray for things, good things, things we long for, things that we probably don't even think are for our own pleasure, and yet they still don't come to be. And so that reveals a tension within us. And while we're not focusing on that today, it's still one worth naming. And God will still answer our prayers. It's just often in different ways. But you would think after that verse that he would lighten up after this harsh truth. So what does he say next? You adulterers is what he says. This is where it really starts to hurt. You see, he's not just addressing like his initial audience. It wasn't a bunch of people who had committed adultery in the typical sense we think of it. That's not exactly what James is saying here. He's speaking to his audience and to us as though when we live into our selfish desires, when we care more about the way of the world than God's way, we've betrayed our loyalty to God. James is saying we are betraying God and our covenantal vows in line with the idea of adultery by living for the things of this world. Ouch! And we know how sin takes many different forms in our life. It often looks like pride. There are sins of commission. Those are the things we do that are wrong. And there are sins of omission, as it says at the end of uh, chapter 4 and verse uh, 17, for those who have been reading the whole reading plan with us. Um, that's when we don't do something we should. It's a sin of omission. 
And then James continues. He drives it home. He says, if our loyalties to the world, then we are an enemy of God. Man, we cannot have our cake and eat it too. There's no beating around the bush of this harshness that we read. And if, if we unpack it, we see if we think we can live in our sinful nature, if we think we can fulfill every selfish ambition and desire and seek our own path, never trying to make changes or seeking to grow, or we just rest in our comfort where we're at and, and we're never striving for more, or we're never sacrificing for God, then we have displayed our loyalty. For our faith will be revealed by our fruit. And so if there's no fruit, then where is our faith? If we find ourselves in that place, we have to be honest that at least in that moment, it's not in God. Maybe we say that with our words, but do our actions reveal that? Which means... In that moment, we've chosen a lesser way, the way of this world. James goes on to suggest in verse 5, it gives us a warning for when we have misplaced loyalty, that we've chosen to treat this right here, the living, breathing, active, and true word of God, as if it's just a nice story has neat stories, David and Goliath, this kind of fun, and that's it. It's a pleasant storybook. And so we read it, we know what it says, our lives then stay the same. For loyalty is not with God. And so day after day, year after year, as the world continues to tempt us, the world will continue to shape us. It will continue to corrupt us. This is that harsh truth. None of us want to hear this. I don't want to be up here saying this. And yet, if we're honest, I think we can all probably relate on some level at some point in our lives. Maybe not right now. Maybe a month ago. Maybe years ago. It's painful. But we can't run from this pain because with it comes an opportunity. Because graciously, thankfully, our God is a God of truth and grace. And James reminds us what we need to do to realign our loyalties and put them back in God where they belong. And God has made a way for us to turn back to him, no matter how long or how far we've gone astray. That is the good news that God, through his passion, through the power of his Holy Spirit, he is constantly seeking to pull us back toward him. So the greatest step we can take when we recognize our loyalties are misfounded is that very first step of faith we took. It's a step of submission once more back to a good God. As James writes in verse 6, we do so knowing that God gives grace generously. Oh, what a needed statement 
in this passage. God gives grace generously. You sincerely turn back to him, he will generously shower you with his grace. He will not turn you away. He will not send you packing. He will invite you in closer. So if reading or hearing this chapter and this truth hurts, if it has been humbling, then we're invited to step toward God once again. Because we know that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We have this human tendency, every single one of us. When the truth hurts a little bit too much, we want to put our defenses up. We want to feel offended. We want to block it out because it's heavy stuff to wrestle with. But none of us, none of us want to stay where we are. We long to draw closer to God. We don't want pride to stand in the way of us living into the life he has called us to live because we are so desperately in need of God's grace in our life. And so, what are we going to do as Christ followers? We will not boast in anything except for our living God. And we will ask him the very dangerous prayer to humble us again and again and again and again so that pride may stay down and his name may rise in our life that we may kneel before his throne as he asks us to rise in his grace and his blessing and his honor, as it says in verse 10. We know our selfish ambition leads only to death or destruction or pain or hurt anytime we choose our way instead of God's way. By our actions, we're showing we consider ourselves better than the creator of the universe. And that is a step towards destruction instead of towards life. But as we align our hearts with God's, our heart, it will not beat for this world. No, it will harmonize with the heartbeat of God, and we will care about the things God cares about. So when we ask him anything in his name, he may grant it if it's in his will, for our desires of our hearts are now aligned with his. And this is really hard for us to do because a lot of times we just don't realize when we're thinking selfishly. It's not like we're all just sitting around choosing to be selfish, like intentionally in our minds. So how do we combat that? How have we combated that in our lives? How have we grown in that? How have we fought that? Well, in different ways, we've taken up this weapon, and we're reminded that humility is the weapon to combating our selfish desires. It's the antidote to pride, humility. So in the face and desire for more, that's pride speaking, you know, more recognition, more stuff, more things, more connections, more uh, 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 power. 
we need only to humble ourselves once again before God and realize what is it that we really need? All we really need is the Father's approval. We know He gives us good gifts. He's the giver of all good and perfect gifts. And He gives us good desires as we walk and step with Him. You know, it's in our discomfort in our lives when we're uncomfortable that we often realize how desperately we are in need of God. But it's in our comfort when it's easy to forget that there is a battle being fought. And there's a battle being fought for our souls. Now, this is the very, very, very good news. The unshakable good news that we rest in. The assurance and promise of God's unshakable word that if we profess him as our Lord and Savior, if we believe that salvation comes from him alone, he died for our sins, and we ask him to forgive us. He grants us that forgiveness, and he gives us that eternal life forever and ever and ever, and nothing can ever claim that. Nothing can ever take that away. That is the beautiful, unshakable promise we have in our good God. But that doesn't mean that Satan still can't cause damage in our lives and in this world as he seeks to draw us away from God and closer to him. The world, after all, we know is Satan's battleground. And even though we also proclaim victory in the name of Jesus Christ, that the battle is won, As Satan bleeds out, he seeks to cause as much destruction as possible, including in you and in me. And sometimes, oftentimes, we'll try and go it alone, on our own, as if it is our battle to fight. And Satan works through temptation. He promises pleasure and ease and to build us up and to stroke our egos, all while he lies and destroys. But we know the damage he causes. If you're alive and breathing, you know the damage the enemy can cause because we know the pain of sin. We just reflect on our own experiences, on our own lives, the hurts we've received, the hurts we've dished out. We know. And I also know each and every one of us long to resist the devil. We want to proclaim he has no foothold in our lives. So how do we do that? Well, James says, by humbling ourselves and submitting to God, we then have God's supernatural power to resist the devil. For in the presence of God, Satan has no choice but to flee. The battle belongs to the Lord. We need not try and fight the enemy of God in our own weakness because we have God's power in us and he's willing to fight for us. And we know a humble heart, not a hardened prideful heart, but a humble heart. It's a good home for the Holy Spirit. We remember We remember this because the very first time we humbled ourselves before God, his spirit flowed in and through us. We know that Jesus Christ humbled himself by leaving heaven to earth. 
And he never, ever, ever gave himself the glory, but constantly pointed back to his father by humbling himself. He humbled himself even to death on a cross. And there is no one else who walked as in step with the Spirit as our humble Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A humble heart is a good home for the Holy Spirit. And so, we will be humble. We will humble ourselves before God, as it says in verse 7. And we'll allow the Holy Spirit to flow freely through us. The Holy Spirit, which is the very power that raised Christ from the dead, lives in you. We can choose the way of the world and suppress God's power, or we can humbly submit to a good and loving and all-powerful God and allow that power to flow freely through us. It's like opening the faucet to full. It gives us the very power to resist the devil and send him packing. For in the presence of God, Satan has no choice but to flee. So give God this battle. Give him this victory. And remember, one of the, perhaps one of the most profound truths of our Lord is that he desires to be close to us. He's always drawing near. And as he casts Satan away, he calls us in close because he's our loving father. He's our Abba. He longs to be near, and sin has no place near one so holy. So, as we humble ourselves and ask God in once again, may his spirit fill us. And when we ask Satan to flee, he has no choice but to retreat. And as we draw close to God, how amazing, how truly unfathomable that the creator of the heavens and the earth, the eternal one, the perfect one, the unblemished Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, draws close to us. And that is perhaps the most humbling news of all. Because he willingly died for you and for me to make this happen. And he raised you to new life not to give your loyalties to this world that will fade, but to give it to him, which is forever, so that we might always be close to our loving God. And so it's without a doubt that each of us long to swear off our loyalty to this world, for nothing can compete with being close to love perfective, love that is pure, love that is perfect, because he is the definition, the embodiment, the fullness and fulfillment of love. That's what we all long for. Feel the Father's love. So how do we cast off whatever loyalties we may have that are not in him, but of this world? See, anything we place above God, anything we choose to put our faith in instead of him is one of those pieces. Could be politics, (laughs) could be agendas, could be our own uh, ideas of 
our relationships where we put another person above God. could be our own selfish ambitions or desires. So how do we cast those off? Well, it's to do what we've been talking about, to build our faith. So we have our building blocks from this week, and I am going to next week on our last uh, Sunday of this series, I'm going to have a printout for all of you of all the building blocks we've gone through. If you haven't been able to write them down fully, I'll have some resources for you next week. But we've been building our faith, trusting James as a blueprint who points to Jesus, the ultimate blueprint for how to live a life of purpose, of meaning, of one that is loyal to God. And so we desire to align our heart to God. You know, we must know God's heart to be able to fall in alignment with it. So we must be praying. We must be walking with him. We must be worshiping him. We must be uh, opening his word and spending time in his community. And we must humble our hearts before God because the humble heart is a good home for the Holy Spirit. So we seek to let go of whatever pride has built up. And as we do that, we might resist the devil and his temptations. For God says, if we resist him, it's a very active word, resist. If we resist him, he will flee. If we're humbled, we resist him, he will flee. And so we will resist him. But how do we do that? We draw close to God. We draw close to God because in the presence of the Holy One, we can't help but then lament and repent of the sin in our lives. That's later on in this passage. But we sit with the reality that we live in a fallen world and we have a sinful desire and yet he still makes a way for us. So we don't stay in that place because of his grace, because of his forgiveness, we can then willingly and joyfully submit to God's law, to his will, to his plan, to his path in our lives. And as we do this, we trust God's word that he will lift you up in honor as you humble yourself before him. So how will we take this home? We have our challenge this week. There's an index card if you were able to grab it on the way in. If not, I encourage you to grab one on the way out. To write it down. Write down one truth from God's word you need to hear this week to help you draw close to him And my encouragement is to hang it somewhere you need it to see it, whether it's uh, uh, in your car uh, right up on on the, uh, what's that thing, the flappy thing? Visor, thank you. (laughs) Simple word, right? (laughs) Uh, Or in your bathroom mirror or in your kitchen, or maybe there's some experience or moment that kind of triggers you off. Maybe your dog likes to bark all the time, so you constantly have to send him to his crate, and every time he keeps barking in his crate, you just want to go, and, you know, the football comes to mind of what you could do with him, because he's that big, but you don't. So maybe you put a little reminder that God has called you to love his creation on his dog crate. I don't know, but this is what I do know. It's important to do this because though Satan may retreat, though he may flee, he's always trying to prowl his little way back. 
So we have to be prepared to resist and cast them away once again and draw close to God once again. And so this tool, this challenge, is just one of many tangible ways for us to be reminded of God's life-changing, Satan-fighting truth. Some of you may also uh, recollect the Shema in the Old Testament. Uh, Hero Israel, the Lord is one. And, um, I, I have it memorized in Hebrew. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. I took a Hebrew class. I can't remember in English, but you guys know it. Look it up. It's in Deuteronomy. <laughs> but part of that was the instruction to place the word of God always on your lips in your hands, on the doorposts of your house, and on your gates. And honestly, I love this image because it's a helpful way to be reminded of God's truth. So I would love for this flashcard to be the first of many. So that like, if you have like a neighbor come in your house, they'll be like, oh, they love Jesus, if they didn't already know, because they see all these flashcards of God's truth scattered around. Write down today a healthy reminder of what you need to hear to stay connected to God this week. And if you're not sure where to start, I do have a recommendation for you. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Because he longs to be close to you. He constantly is drawing close to you. He has since he created us. And he will never stop. All he asks is that we draw close to him. And that's what we all want, isn't it? That's what we all need. So give the battle to him. Let him fight by drawing close as we build our life upon the sure foundation of his everlasting love. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty and all-loving God, we give you thanks this day for the power of your true word, for the ways it meets us exactly where we're at, and even in the harshness of it, you still shower us with your love and grace. God, I pray today that you reveal to us in equal measure your grace and truth for what we need to do to draw close to you again. For as we humble ourselves and cast off our loyalties to this world, We draw again close to you and call you Lord of our lives. And we resist the devil and all his machinations. He may flee, for he has no choice in the presence of your holiness. So Lord, may you make our hearts humble and a home for your spirit to flow through. We know you can do all things. We know you could force your way through, but you choose to allow us to set the gauge. So we ask to open it fully and let your spirit do your work. We thank you for the ways that you build us up and encourage us even in the face of difficult texts and challenges. So Lord, as we go here, may we remember your grace and remember your word so that we can give the battle to you and build our life on your love, a life of meaning, of purpose, of beauty. All to you and your glory, Lord, for you are good. And it is in Jesus' name we all pray, saying amen.